right, tonight let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Romans, chapter number 6, once again. Romans chapter number 6, we're looking at the second part of Shall We Continue in Sin That Grace May Abound? Paul realized here that as marvelous as the simple message of grace through Jesus Christ is, that there are some who might uh, uh, have a concern uh, that uh, there might be a tendency to abuse the grace of God. And he's, a, he's a <clears throat> addressing that in Romans 6. He verbalizes this problem, if you will, of, of salvation by grace through faith alone. It's not, that's not a problem, is it? <laughs> I mean, salvation by grace alone, that's a great thing. But the, the problem is that folks have is that, uh, well, it just seems like, um, it seems like you're just offering for folks to just sin all they want to sin. Uh, that they uh, they abound in sin because he mentioned there in the last few verses of chapter number five where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Uh, he's talking about that. Well, uh, Paul uh, wanted the grace abusers to realize that's not what he's talking about. He, he says, shall we continue in sin? Let's go ahead and, and read verse number one again. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And then his answer to that is, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? So we saw the problem defined there in verse one, and we saw Paul's answer to him. Paul said, well, you don't understand. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that at all. And uh, individuals who actually think that God's pardon gives them the liberty to sin without consequences, are, they're irresponsible. Um, we, uh, we, we know we have freedom in Christ, but that freedom in Christ is not a freedom to do anything we want to do. It's a freedom to serve the Lord that we couldn't do before. We can please the Lord. Before you got saved, you could not please the Lord. Now you're free to please the Lord in your life. And you please the Lord by... Uh, living the life of His Son, Jesus Christ, that resurrected life. Now we began to see our new position in Christ in verse 3 and 4. Let's read that. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into His death. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life, and we said that, that that position in Christ is beautifully illustrated with uh, the the uh, uh, ordinance of baptism. And we show that buried with Him in baptism, go down one way, you come up another. You know, you as buried with Him in baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. It's a that public testimony, that profession, that proclamation is is of, of an outward thing, is about an inward experience. Uh, the believer's new inward relationship with Christ is pictured in that. And uh, we talked about, uh, uh, I think, the bit, one of the good illustrations, one of the best illustrations that I, that I use, and hope that uh, was a help to you as we talked about dipping a white shirt in a bowl of red dye. You know, it's no longer a white shirt. You know, it becomes identified with what you've dipped it in. We're, and we're dipped in Christ, amen? And uh, we're, we're no longer the same. Um, we're no longer what we were. And when you dip a, a white shirt in, in red dye, it's never referred to a white shirt as a white shirt again. After being dipped, it has a new identity, and we have a new identity in Christ. And in the last two things we said, baptism points to two things. 
Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, number one there in verse 3 and 4, and then to our, our death to sin, our burial of the old life and our new life in Christ. And that's what we want to talk about tonight. We, we left off right there. And I want to talk a little bit more about our new position in Christ Jesus as we, as we look at uh, uh, these verses. Now, the New Testament puts a strong emphasis on the fact that the believer died in Christ. He died in Christ. We just read that in verse 3 and 4. Being buried in the waters of baptism points back to Christ's death, burial, and our death to, to sin in Him. We died in Him. It's a picture of His death and, and burial which was for our sin. Let me remind you of what Paul says about the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3 and 4. He says, For I deliver unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. So it's our identification with Christ that is so vivid in Paul's mind here in Romans 6, uh, that we have been buried together with Christ. And I want you to observe the closeness of, of the relationship that he's talking about here. How could we possibly, if you're in Christ, how could you possibly choose to habitually sin? You know? It just doesn't make sense. It, it really doesn't. Baptism is a picture of death. And listen, dead people are, are normally buried out of sight, aren't they? You know, that, that old life is that, ought to be out of, out of our sight. Dead people have no life. The, the old life has ceased. Dead men don't sin. And uh, thank God that we are uh, dead uh, through what Christ did that. We did to that old life. Now, the New Testament also puts a strong emphasis on the fact that the believer is now alive in Christ. Our, we, we died in Christ. Yes, Christ, Christ didn't stay in the grave. Three days later, he came up. And listen, we identify in his resurrection too. By coming up out of the water, baptism also looks back to Christ's resurrection from the dead. Christ arose from the dead. So baptism not only pictures our death in Christ, but also pictures our new life in Christ and our coming up out of the watery grave to walk on the other side of the baptismal grave. We, we are raised to new life in Christ. We now walk in in newness of life. That's what he says there uh, toward the end of verse number 4. Look at verse number 4 again. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, and here it is, even so we should also walk in newness of life. And that implies a, a habitual conduct. That's where our habit ought to be. A change has taken place in our lives, and baptism even pictures our own resurrection from the grave when Christ re returns. I mean, you know, one of these days, you know, um, they're probably going to lay me out and um, I'm going to be buried. But I'll be very much alive, trust me. And, but, but that old body is going to be raised up again one day. And, and, uh, and it's going to be changed into a body just like Jesus. Huh? See, we're identified in Him. What happened to Him happened to us. We died. Yeah, the old man. Hey, you know, nobody gets by with sin. Ways of sin is death. But Jesus, Jesus took our death. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, but and he not only took our death, but he gives us new life. We have a new life in him. 
Uh, listen to what John Murray had to say in his book, Redemption Accomplished and Applied. He said, All for whom Christ died also died in Christ. All who died in Christ rose again with Christ. This, this rising again with Christ is rising to newness of life after the likeness of Christ's resurrection. Listen, to die with Christ is therefore to die to sin and to rise with Him in the, to the life of new obedience, to li- live not to ourselves, but to Him who died for us and rose again. I like that. Um, so, uh, a third thing I want us to see tonight is that the New Testament reveals that our identity changed when we came to Christ. When we believed on Christ as our Savior, and we were dipped into both His death and His resurrection, our our identity changed. <laughs> uh that's what 2 Corinthians 5.17 is all about. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. New creature. All things uh, are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Christ's death for our sin became our death to sin. Uh, his burial became our burial. His resurrection became our resurrection. We have a whole new identity in Christ, and and I think that's one of the reasons why you see this thing kind of come uh, over and over again in Paul's writings. Uh, one place I will call your attention is Colossians chapter number three, Colossians three verse number one, Colossians three verse one. If ye then be, re- be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. Why should we set our affection there? Because that's where Christ's affection is at, on things above, not on things under. For ye are dead, there it is again, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Which life? The resurrected life, okay? You are dead, you're dead to sin, and your life, your life is now hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory, and then he gives that as the as the reason why we should mortify or put to death the, the members of our flesh, uh, and he's going to be talking about that in a minute. And in Romans chapter number six, that we're not to live the same way that we used to live. We're not to live according to the flesh. We'll live according to the the old desires of the flesh, because we are dead in Christ and we are alive to Christ. So. Um, we're no longer identified with Adam's race. Think about this. Uh, we are now identified with Christ. Uh, we, we, we have a new family. His family. We've got a new father. So our old father was Adam. Came through the line of Adam. But now we've got a new father, a heavenly father. All those that are in Christ are now our brothers and sisters in Christ. And we are now heirs of God through Christ and joint heirs with Christ Jesus. Christ uh, is heir of God. But we're in Him. And if you're in Him, guess what? You're a joint heir because you're in Him. And uh, look at there Romans chapter number 8 for just a minute. Romans 8 verse number 14. And he brings us out in verse number 14 through 17. Romans 8 verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby he crieth, Abba, Father. 
the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. What a, what a blessing. Amen. Um, Christ uh, does the work in our inner being. And, uh, you know, the, the, the water's just a picture. Water baptism don't save nobody. Okay. It's just a picture of what, what, uh, what Christ does on the inside. Um, it pictures what is done. The symbol in the baptism is not the reality, but is the picture of the reality. And Paul continues with his argument. Look at verse number 5. He says, uh, in, in Romans 6, verse number 5, he says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, and if you're in Christ, you have been done. That, that has taken place in your life. He said, that's taken place. We shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now Paul's reasoning here. It's true, since we become united with Christ in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection because he's, he's not dead anymore. I mean, you're identified with him, you're identified in his death, but you are identifying in his life if you're identified with Christ. We have become permanently united with Christ by faith. Uh, it's an intimate progressive union. Therefore, how can a, a, a person who has been brought into this kind of intimate love relationship with Christ habitually practice sin? You know, um, Don't misunderstand here what Paul's saying. Paul is not saying that we become sinlessly perfect. Okay, Nobody attains sinless perfection in this life. Um, we will not become perfect in our practice uh, until we see Jesus face to face in glory, but we should strive for that perfection. Amen. Look at uh, look at first first John chapter number three. First John chapter number three in the first three verses here, and that's what uh, the, the apostle John is getting at. First John three and verse number one. He says here, he says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. And we all just think upon that. Just dwell, dwell on that, that type of love that, our, that the Heavenly Father's had on us that we should be called the sons of God. Now how are we the sons of God? Because we're identified in Christ who is the Son of God, the only begotten Son of God. So therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now, it's not that we can become, can become the sons of God one day. We Now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We're, you know, uh, he got a, a glorified, resurrected body. Paul talks about the uh, that resurrected body in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15 there toward the end. talks about the, the, the different types of bodies that there are. And he talks about how we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. And, and, and what a wonderful thing, the transformation that's going to take place. 
we're going to be like him, for we shall see him as he is. But look at verse 3. And every man that hath this hope. Now who has this hope? Those that have placed their faith in Christ. If you placed your faith in Christ, then you ought to be purifying yourself even as you're pure. You're, you are pure in Christ. You're going As the Lord looks up upon you, he sees his son, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ, because you are in Christ. Um, so we have become, uh, let's see, the, the, the believer is a new man. We've become a new man, a new creation in Christ Jesus. But uh, we're not only a new man, but we, we're not yet made perfect. We know that one of these days we are going to be perfect when, when he appears. We still commit sin, but uh, we don't dwell there, do we? We're not, to, we're not to dwell there. That's not our dwelling place. He is necessarily the subject uh, uh, of a progressive renewal. We, we, we ought to grow more in the likeness of Christ day by day. That's being conformed to His image. Amen. What, what Romans 8 uh, is talking about there, Romans 8 and verse number uh, 29, Romans 8, 29, for whom He did foreknow, He did... He also did predestinate us. See, something's predestinated in our life. Here it is. Here's what's predestinated. To be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. It's already predetermined. You're going to be just like Jesus one day. Amen? Say, well, I don't feel much like Him these days. Well, uh, you ought to be growing in Christ and allowing Him to change your life day by day. Our sanctification cannot be separated from our justification. Our sanctification springs from Christ's death and resurrection and our identification with Christ. God's made more than enough provision to cover all our needs through the death of Christ and His resurrection. Listen, Jesus is sufficient. He is sufficient. Amen. There's nothing that we have to add to it. But there ought to be a change that... Uh, takes place in our life day by day as we're conformed to Christ's image. Um, we need to know and understand that in Christ we are dead to sin. Uh, what was uh, what was crucified with Christ? Well, well verse six, number six, knowing this that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of, of sin might be destroyed. Uh, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Um, we need to understand uh, our old man. We were crucified together with Christ. The old, the old unrenewed self before our union with Christ was put to death in Christ because that's what it deserved. <laughs> he took our death for us. It did not take place when we were baptized. It took place when when we uh, believed on the Lord. When we died to sin, if we, if we have died to sin, and we, we do that by placing our faith and trust in Him, if we died to sin, how can, we, how can we continue to be a slave to it? Slavery ends when the slave dies, doesn't it? Yeah? It does. Slavery ends when the slave dies. The body belonging to or ruled by sin was rendered inoperative. It was made inactive. Sin is not the controlling factor in the believer because the old man has been crucified. Um, another thing here, 
uh, we find in verse number 10 is that we see that Christ died un, unto uh, sin once. <laughs> we see that Christ died unto sin once. Verse 10, For in that He died, He died unto sin once, but in that He liveth, He liveth unto God. Christ never had a personal experience with sin. Never. He knew no sin. Well, how can Paul say that he died unto sin once? Well, listen, whose sin? My sin. Your sin. Our sin. Those of us that have believed on him by faith. The wages of sin is death. And he took our death. Amen. That gift of God. The wages of sin is death, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Christ died from died my death. He paid the penalty that I owed for my sin. Therefore, I no longer owe sin's penalty. And that will put you on shouting the ground right there. Amen. We no longer owe sin's penalty. He that is dead is freed from sin, verse 7 says. If we're freed, it means we've been justified, we've been set free from, we've been acquitted. And this verse, the word freed, means to be declared free from sin or to be acquitted from sin. Now remember that we died with Christ. We are released from the bondage of sin in Him. But also the penalty of our sin has been paid in full through our our death in in Christ Jesus. Christ paid it in full. He didn't pay partial, and that uh, you know He saves us, and then if we sin after that, we got to pay for our own sins. No, 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 no. He paid for it all. Jesus paid it all. <laughs> he paid it all, and uh, we've been set free. Uh, to um, we know that we are now alive in Christ, set free. Look at the verse eight through ten here. If we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Do you believe that? Yeah. Amen. We're looking forward to that day, aren't we? Well, we can live with Him now, right? Amen. We're looking to living with Him there one day, but we're to be living in Him right now, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. And if we're in Christ, listen, death has no more dominion over us. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, get this, in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Well, if we're in Christ, and how Christ lives, he lives unto the Father, his heavenly Father, God. How are we to live? Unto God, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, it's real simple. We know uh, that we are also alive to Christ. We, we've been set free, no longer slaves of sin. We're, we're free to live the Christian life. As far as God is concerned, we are already on the resurrection side of the grave. Christ died once and only once, not once upon a time. Amen. <laughs> he died once and only once. And it was a definite act at a, a point, place, and time in history. It never has to be repeated. He died once for all. I like that song. There's a song that's, uh, um, I don't even know that it's in our, our, our books, but once for all, uh, oh brother, believe it. Amen. Uh, but because it's true. Uh, Christ is alive uh, never to die again. Never has to be repeated. Those of us who are in Christ are alive, listen, alive forevermore in Christ. Forevermore. 
This is our sanctified life. This is the only way to live the Christian life. Paul's whole argument revolves around our intimate living relationship with Christ. There in verse number 9, death is pictured as a master and Lord. And, and death did have its mastery over us at one time, but it doesn't have mastery anymore because we're dead. Death can't have any mastery. What's, what's death going to do? You know, I, you know, we know that since Christ has been raised from the dead that, and we will never die again, death no longer is master over us. Um, when, we, when we leave this earth by way of death, what the world calls death, we're absent from the body and present with the Lord, aren't we? We just are. I mean, that, to, to me, that's a comfort. It ought to be a comfort to you. And it's, it's a comfort that I've shared at the bedside of many a person who's about to meet the Lord. You know, they're always wondering about that step over. You know, well, preacher, what's it going to be like when you step over? Well, all I can tell them is, I can just tell you what, what Paul said. Paul said, be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. So it doesn't, it's a pretty quick step, right? <laughs> as soon as you leave, you're there. Uh, I'd say that's pretty quick. And uh, Christ is the Lord over death. He showed he was Lord over death when he got up out of the grave. We're under a new master. The old master of sin no longer has any say-so in our life. We no longer have any obligations to the old master. And that is the reality of our life in Christ. So, so what are we to do with these great truths that we just learned? Well, look at, uh, look at verse number 11. We are to reckon our new position in Christ to be so because it is so. Okay, let's read the verse, verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Um, we're to reckon our new position in Christ to be so because it is so. We're, we're dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Christ. Uh, the believer is to look upon himself in the light of this truth. And he's to remind himself that he is now freed from the penalty. And, the, and not only just the penalty, but also the dominion of sin. It's, sin shouldn't have any more dominion over him. He's to count upon the fact that he receives his spiritual life from Christ. Now that word reckon uh, is an accounting term. It means to, to, to calculate, to, re to take into account, to figure, to count on to consider it so because in reality, listen, in reality it is so. Reckon it to be so because it is so. That's what he's saying here. We need to let our mind think on these truths. We need to meditate upon them. We need to keep saying to ourselves and reminding ourselves of who we are in Christ. We must be constantly counting upon the fact that we are dead indeed unto sin and alive unto God in Christ. That the secret to holy living is, of course, having the mind of Christ. Um, water baptism does not make one dead to sin and alive to God. It's a spiritual operation in Christ Jesus that does that, which is performed by the Holy Spirit. It, it's only pictured by water baptism. Paul makes a plea by using the symbol to live up to the ideal of the baptized life. And, and here are the facts. Paul says, Christ paid your penalty of death. Christ set you free so you can live for God. That's why, that's why Christ sets you free. So you can live for God. 
Walk in the newness of life that you possess. After all, the reality is that you are dead to sin. You are alive to God. Live in that reality. You might, somebody might say, well, I don't feel dead to sin. Well, the feelings don't really have anything to do with it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a judicial fact. We, we need to, uh, let me put it this way, we need to appropriate our victory by faith in Christ. Okay, um, we, talk, we talked about the Israelites going in and possessing their possessions. Well, we have to possess our possessions too. Okay? I mean, it's yours. Victory is yours. But you've got to grab hold of it. Amen? You, you've got to seize upon the victory that you have in Christ Jesus that He paid for on your behalf. Um. Let's take a look at verse 12 through 14 here. You know, we, we see here that we have the power through our position to live the Christian life. Verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Listen, we have the power through our position to live the Christian life. We can now walk in newness of life. We've been raised up with Christ, set free to live in Christ, and he desires to, uh, to live his risen life through us. He lives his life through us. And that's what he wants to do. He's taken up residence inside us to empower us to live his life. When he says, don't let, don't let sin reign in your body. Don't, don't let sin be the king. Don't let it call the shots. I'll not be calling the shots in, in, your, in your life anymore. Uh, because you have a, a new... Uh, a new king, amen. Sin does not have to be the king of our life. We do not have to obey it any longer. It's no longer our master. It was our master at one time, but it's no longer our master. The reign of sin is over with us. Self-indulgence is inconsistent with trust in the vicarious atonement of Christ. Sin does not have the dominion over the person who is united with Christ. And... Uh, Paul adds there in the latter part there, you know, we're not to yield. See, he says there in the latter part of verse 13, but yield yourselves unto God, okay, as those that are alive, because you are, <laughs> your life from the dead. And yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God, because that's what the Lord would have you to do. The Apostle Paul calls for, for us to have a wholehearted and total commitment to Christ. He's basically saying here, don't keep presenting your, your members to sin, but present yourself to God. Yeah, uh, Live for God. Don't, don't make the grace of God an excuse for sinning. Oh, you know, God's grace. The more I sin, the more God's grace is going to show itself in my life. Grace does not give us license to sin. And you'll, be, you'll be sad whenever uh, the consequences of sin hit. Uh, no, you're not going to go to hell if you're a believer. If you're a true believer, you're not going to go to hell. But uh, can I tell you that uh, uh, there are some things that take place. You know, the, the, the chastisement from the Lord, uh, 
The Lord knows how to chastise his children. And when you were um, when your children were coming up, if you've got children, did you chastise them all the same way? You chastised them all, but you knew how to chastise each particular one, didn't you? You knew uh, we we knew that our daughter, if you made her put her books down for a while, that was a bad punishment for her. She loved those books. She uh, our son, you could take his a ball away from him. He was always out in the yard playing with a ball of some sort. Didn't matter as long as it was round and it bounced. He was out there with it. But you could get him with that. He wasn't. He wasn't tempted in the area of of uh, of uh, the books like our daughter was. What I'm saying here is that God knows where to put the finger in our life. Okay, don't put yourself in the place where the Lord has to bring about chastisement because He He does treat us as sons. Amen. Hebrews and uh, chapter number uh, uh, twelve tells us that we know that we are uh, we are sons. And uh, and because we are sons, uh, he, he does cha- bring chastisement into our life. Um, live under grace. Uh, live uh, that victorious life. That life under grace is a victorious life. Make a make a once for all break with yet old life, as a, and as a daily habit, present yourself. Get up in the morning, God. I'm going to live unto you. Yeah. It's a new day. I'm going to live unto you. And uh, present yourself from uh, uh, to, to the Lord. You died to sin in Christ. Now you're alive. It's not possible to live the Christian life without union with Christ. Every true believer is in Christ. Live in that life that you have in Him. Realizing that the person who has died to sin no longer lives there. Sin no longer dominates his thoughts, affections, wills, and actions. Christ and the new life in Christ dominate his thinking. Amen. May, may this help us in our walk with the Lord. Amen. Uh, let's pray. Father.